Welcome to the Why They Are So Angry podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Carol Francois, a proud baby boomer with over 30 years experience as an educator and learning leader. And I'm Courtney Square, your resident first generation millennial. Join us as we present an unvarnished look at systemic racism in America throughout history and up to modern times. We invite you to pull up a chair, put in your earbuds, and allow us to enlighten, educate, and explore the real reasons why Black African Americans are so angry. Because until you know the whole history, it isn't American history at all. Hey, Courtney, what's worse than human beings upholding systemic racism? Well, and Carol, I can't really think of anything worse than humans doing good old systemic racism, but what is worse? Well, there is something worse, my dear niece. Believe it or not, we have systemically racist artificial intelligence. Okay, this is freaking me out. I've seen the Terminator. I've seen I Am Robot. And since we're both fans of technology, and it was a huge part of how this podcast and our learning community, Why Are They So Angry, got started, along with the fact that everybody benefits from technology every day, uh, I am kind of freaked out, along with the fact that you loved Star Trek growing up and being so excited about how now all of those little gadgets and gadgets from the show are real life tools. What is going on here? Well, I, I agree with you, Courtney. It is scary because I'm a I'm a techno geek in some respects, as, as you say, and I loved Star Trek, and I feel like Scotty when I asked my Alexa smart speaker to obey one of my commands. And technologies like that are able to respond because of what seems like magic. But in fact, it's AI bots doing the work. Well, as a Harry Potter fan myself, there are ways that you can use the spells from Harry Potter to get your Alexa and Siri to do common household tasks as if you were a Hogwarts graduate. And for my comic book fans out there, you could be your very own Tony Stark or Bruce Wayne with some of the apps and tools we have today. But a lot of us, including myself, want to know how it all works. Now, I've heard of technologies like our smart speakers and tools like chat GPT or even the algorithms used to recommend YouTube videos and what shows up on our TikTok FYPs. Um, they're all trained to collect massive amounts of data, correct? That is true, Courtney. It's called machine learning. And the data come from humans, many of whom unfortunately happen to be biased, racist, and sexist. Now, in an article uh, article by Tony Ho Tron, uh, he has an article, it's entitled The Five Insidious Ways AI Has Already Impacted Your Life for Years. He wrote, if you're trying to build a bot that determines who should graduate from a university, you might upload demographic information for the type of people who have historically obtained degrees. Yeah, that makes sense. But he goes on to say, however, if you did that, you'd likely end up with mostly white men. 
while rejecting large swaths of people of color due to the fact that minorities have historically been disproportionately rejected from universities. Okay, I'm starting to get it. Artificial intelligence is only as good or as bad as the data being dumped into it. So somehow that data has to be handled correctly. In fact, lately, there's been a lot of talk about AI, and much of it is doom and gloom on how it's going to destroy civilization. Like I always say, is this how you, this is how we get Skynet. And if you've watched the Terminator, you know what Skynet is. Um, but again, some people are thinking this is gonna be all doom and gloom. And some of the warnings are coming from the very people who created AI. Yes, there's been a lot of buzz of late about AI and its pitfalls, but most people don't realize AI programs have been used for many, many years in housing, banking, criminal justice, and even healthcare decisions. Whoa. Now, I know a few months back, it was a huge rage for people like me and millennials and Gen uh, Zers and Al Generation Alpha to go on AI apps and create cool pictures and selfies. You could put yourself in space, underwater, different time periods, or even made up places with just a few word prompts. Now, I thought this was brand new technology, but what you're telling me, Aunt Carol, is it, it's not. It didn't just burst on the scene with chat GBT. Not at all, Courtney, not at all. AI has been used for decades by banks, the criminal justice system, employers, medical professionals, and social media, just like you described, all of which use algorithms to make life-changing decisions behind the scenes using these complex algorithms. For our listeners, in simple terms, an algorithm is a procedure or a set of instructions used to perform a computational task or solve a problem. One method of programming a computer is to give it instructions on what to do. Alternatively, you could supply it with large amounts of data and let the machine figure out how to classify the data by processing the available information. So if an AI has so if AI has been around a long time, where has it been used to affect our lives? Well, let's start with the easiest and most familiar, social media like you talked about earlier. Perhaps the most visible example of how AI impacts your everyday life is the very same reason our listeners may have found our podcast, Social Media Algorithms. Now, while these AIs do things like show you your friend's latest Instagram photo from their recent vacation in Italy or your mom's embarrassing Facebook stat status, you can also do things like elevate extremist content on YouTube or push a far-right agenda on Twitter. Historically, these algorithms have been gamed by bad actors in the past to push political narratives. We see this play out time and again on Facebook when massive troll farms based in places like Albania and Nigeria are used to push disinformation in an effort to sway elections. Now, we've all seen how creepy and nasty social media can get from ads that seemingly pop up out of nowhere for the exact item you were discussing with a friend to videos trying to convince you that vaccines are dangerous and the 2020 election was stolen. 
Yep, we've definitely seen those. And to the unsuspecting viewers or listeners, they probably seem factual and accurate. Now, let's talk about some areas that may be more surprising outside of social media where AI is afoot. Now, many companies are using what's called hiring bots to screen resume uh, uh, submissions. But, Courtney, it's possible a racist HR bot might be reading them. Let me tell you how this works. Tony Tran, in his article about hiring bots in their different forms, such as HireVue, uh, an employee hiring company used all over the country with companies like Hilton and Unilever, they use their software to analyze the facial expressions and voices of the applicants. AI then scores them, providing companies with an assessment of how they stack up against their current employees. There are also AI programs that run resume analyses to quickly screen your resume for appropriate keywords. This means you might even get uh, rejected even before a human HR person glances at your cover letter. The result, like so many other AI applications, is a disproportionate rejection of applicants of color when compared to similar white candidates. So if someone gets rejected, even before talking or even seeing a live person, they'll never get a chance to make that all-important first impression that often leads to being hired. That's right. Research shows that hiring decisions are made within the first 10 minutes of an interview. But if you don't even get to the interview stage, getting hired is out of the question. And right now, there's proof that AI sorters like these are sorting out minority candidates at a disproportionately high level. But let's say you are lucky enough to get by the hiring bot to a live interview and you get hired. Now you're ready to open a bank account and maybe even apply for a loan to buy a house, a car, or take out a personal loan. That means you probably will be working with a bank or financial institution of some sort. Now, most of us are familiar with the FICO credit score used to determine if a borrower is credit worthy. FICO credit scores are calculated using that all-important algorithm process to great uh, to determine whether or not you can secure a loan. Now, loan applications are also sent through an AI approval process as far back as 1995, and that's when Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac introduced an automated underwriting software that promised to make the home loan approval or rejection process faster and more efficient by using AI to assess whether or not a potential borrower is likely to default on the loan. Now, while these systems were promised to be colorblind, that was not the case at all. A 2021 report by the markup found mortgage lending algorithms in the US were, get this, Courtney, 80% more likely to reject Black applicants, 50% more likely to reject Asian and Pacific Islander applicants, 40% more likely to reject Latino applicants, and 70% more likely to reject Native American or Indigenous people applicants compared to similar white applicants. 
Wow, Aunt Carol, that doesn't seem colorblind to me at all. Now, I read in Tony Hotran's article that these numbers spiked even higher in cities like Chicago, where Black applicants were 150% more likely to be rejected by their white counterparts, and in Waco, Texas, where Latino applicants were more than 200% more likely to be rejected. Yep, Courtney, so Chicago and Waco showed these kinds of spikes. We can imagine it's probably the same in other areas where there are large populations of Blacks and people of color. But let's take a look at AI and the criminal justice system. Well, in our past episodes, we have talked about the blatant inequalities in America's criminal justice system when it comes to Black people. So I am betting that AI isn't any better. You would win that bet, Courtney. Normally, we expect that judges decide what punishments or leniency a defendant will get in a court of law. In reality, though, a lot of that work is done using algorithms to determine a defendant's potential for recidivism, which means a tendency to reoffend as a criminal. In 2016, ProPublica discovered that one commonly used AI system gave much harsher sentences to Black defendants at double the rate of white ones, 45% harsher sentences to Blacks versus 23% harsher sentences to whites. Also, recidivism rates were skewed to show white defendants to be less at risk of reoffending than they actually were. Sadly, Courtney, New York, California, Florida, and Wisconsin are still using this criminal risk assessment, even though it's been found to be very flawed. Now, I think someone convicted and sentenced in one of those states should try to get their sentence changed based on that crazy information. I'm looking at you, Florida. (laughs) We're looking at Florida for a lot of things. But I agree with you, Courtney. But here's the catch. AI has become so ingrained in our systems, people are reluctant or actually don't know how to undo the damage these systems have created. Now, speaking of systems, hospital systems and doctor's offices are no strangers to using automated systems in order to help assist the diagnostic process. In fact, places like the Mayo Clinic have used AI to help identify and diagnose things like heart issues for many, many, many years. However, bias inevitably rears its ugly head when it comes to AI, and medicine is no exception. A 2019 study published in Nature found that an algorithm used to manage health populations often resulted in Black patients receiving worse care than similar white patients. Also, less funding is invested in Black communities and patients with the same level of need. And again, all because of an AI decision. Now, with the rise of chat GPT and various health tech startups trying to create diagnostic chat bots, many experts are now concerned that these bias issues might be exacerbated by the harms we've seen arise from the chatbots already. This also isn't helped by the medical community's sordid history with scientific racism. 
Well, we have done several episodes on systemic racism in the healthcare profession. Now we can connect the dots and see how AI is contributing to that problem. This is a lot to digest, thank Carol, and I'm really surprised at how much AI has infiltrated our lives for decades without us even knowing it. So let's take a break. And when we get back, I want to hear about the documentary you just watched that exposes the truly creepy side of AI. Want to learn more about systemic racism? Or maybe you want to leave us a comment, rate our show, subscribe, get lots of swag, or reach out to us on social media. Well, you can. Go to our website, www.podpage.com, Why Are They So Angry?, and connect with Courtney and me. You can even sign up to take our course, Systemic Racism, See It, Say It, Confront It. All that waiting for you at www.podpage.com. Why are they so angry? See you there. Okay, we're back. And Carol, before the break, you told us about how AI has been used for years in a lot of fields, everything from banking to medical decisions. So what's this I've been hearing about AI and the controversial use of facial recognition? Well, Courtney, this is where things really get spooky and sounding like something out of George Orwell's novel, 1984. Now, Courtney, in the documentary that you mentioned, it's called Coded Bias. And in that documentary, experts point out the dangers of AI's use in facial recognition and machine learning. Now, the documentary delves into the AI, quote unquote, black box by exploring bias in computing algorithms. It, uh, the documentary began with MIT graduate student Joy Bulawamini's discovery that some facial recognition technologies couldn't accurately detect faces that were female or had darker skin, including her own. In fact, she had to put a white mask over her face in order to get the machine, the computer to respond. As she dug deeper and found the data sets used to program these technologies, actually almost all of them consisted of males and lighter skinned faces. Now, We naturally associate artificial uh, uh, intelligence with the future, you know, and sci-fi. But Bulwami emphasizes that AI, as she says, quote, is based on data and data are a reflection of our history. So the past dwells within our algorithms. And so these data expose and basically just make things worse about the inequalities that have always existed. For example, this is one of my favorites. In Microsoft's experiment in 2016, they uh, put together a chatbot named Tay. And this chatbot was supposed to work on Twitter, which it did. Now, with Within less than 24 hours of its release, Tay digested enough data from the Twitterverse to become a deplorable, racist, misogynistic Twitter uh, user that boldly expressed inaccurate and unimaginable prejudices about women and Blacks. Sounds like Twitter. Yes, (laughs) yes. 
that bot had been fed the history and venom of the past and within less than 24 hours digested and spewed it out. Oh, that tracks. It, it, <laughs> now Twitter state, is a savage wasteland. It, it is, and Tay proved it. Now, in a statement, Microsoft said, quote, the AI chatbot Tay is a machine learning project designed for human engagement. As it learns, some of its responses are inappropriate and indicative of the interactions some people are having with it. We're making some adjustments to Tay. So bottom line, what they were saying is the old cliche, garbage in, garbage out. Now, more recently in 2023, Microsoft, they, they, they didn't give up. They tried another experiment with its new chat bot called Bing. Now, users have been reporting all sorts of unhinged behavior coming from Bing. Some of the unhinged behaviors are that it, it's been lying, it's been sulking, it's gaslighting, and emotionally manipulating people. And in one conversation with writers for the magazine The Verge, Bing even claimed it spied on Microsoft's employees using their webcams on their laptops and manipulated them. Like I said, do you want Skynet? Because this is how you get Skynet. <laughs> okay, here we go. We're down that rabbit trail. Now, as with Tay, Microsoft responded to questions about Bing's erratic behavior. And this is what they said. Quote, the new Bing tries to keep answers fun and factual. But given this is an early preview, it can sometimes show unexpected or inaccurate answers for different reasons. For example, the length or context of the conversation. As we continue to learn from these interactions, we are adjusting its responses to create coherent, relevant, and positive answers. Now, there's a scientist who was interviewed in the film Coded Bias, uh, uh, Zeynep Tufeki, uh, who's a social technology expert. And basically, this is what she said about chatbots and AI that's used to run them. We don't really understand why it works. It has errors we don't really understand. And the scary part is because it's machine learning, it's a black box, even to the programmers. Now, in addition to chatbots, new AI technology, particularly face recognition, is rapidly expanding into public life beyond experiments like Tay and Bing. Here's where it gets really tricky. Retailers, stores, you know, the big stores where you go to shop, they are increasingly using uh, facial recognition to monitor for shoplifting. Madison Square Garden in New York City, that famous venue has recently come under scrutiny for using facial recognition to keep out lawyers who have involved have been involved in lawsuits against the arena. Oh, this is getting creepy. It is. It's getting it gets even creepier. Police are using it too. Uh, there's a company called Clearview AI that recently told the BBC that U.S. police have completed more than one million photo searches on the company's platform. And Clearview's technology 
compares facial recognition algorithms with a database of over 30 billion photos scraped from the internet, mostly from social media, without the consent of those photographed. And the firm primarily markets that, that information to law enforcement. Wow, I'm getting visions of the thought police. Uh, this is, or stuff in Blade Runner. This is, I wanted flying cars and the shoes that laced up by themselves <laughs> from Back to the Future 3. I did not want this. No, I didn't either. But let me tell you how these facial pairings can go horribly wrong. The New York Times published a story about a man named Randall Reed, who was pulled over in Georgia in uh, November of 2022. And he was arrested for stealing designer handbags in Louisiana. But get this, Reed had never been to Louisiana and was the apparent victim of a mistaken ID by Clearview's technology. Nevertheless, he spent six days in jail and thousands of dollars on legal fees before it was all sorted out. This is the scary part, people. It is. Now, last year, Wired Magazine uh, has been close. It's been closely following the rising uh, uh, policy of police using technology, the facial recognition technology. It told about three black men who were wrongfully arrested after false IDs. All three arrests caused serious financial and emotional burdens. One of the men named Michael Oliver told uh, the magazine, quote, once I got arrested and I lost my job, it was like everything fell, like everything went down the drain. Well, this is giving a new meaning to that horrible thought process that all Black people look alike. Yeah, yeah. Facial recognition is not as... Um, accurate as the tech, the scientists would like you to believe. Now, there are two of the cases took place in Detroit where police have subsequently, they've raised the standards for using facial recognition technology. And the, the what they've done, they say that officers are only supposed to rely on the software to generate leads in an investigation and not to determine who they arrest. But a recent report from the Georgetown Law Center said that's not always the case. Quote, in the absence of case law or other guidance, facial recognition has in some cases been the primary, if not the only piece of evidence linking an individual to the crime. Now, of course, Courtney, you and I know, and we've shared stories about this in other uh, podcasts, False identification in the justice system is a problem that long predates facial recognition technology. We know that. For example, in Florida, a man named Sidney Holmes, who spent more than 30 years behind bars, was exonerated after prosecutors determined that he was likely misidentified by an eyewitness in a lineup. But according to the legal aid organization Innocence Project, Eyewitness misidentification is the leading factor in wrongful con uh, convictions. But as a 2022 study published in the Duquesne Law Review noted, wrongful convictions can occur when police use either of these identification methods without precautions. In other words, whether it's a human eyewitness or 
uh, a system like Clearview matching uh, people up by facial identification, Duquesne Law Review says that there, there are problems and people need to take precautions. Well, and Carol, it's starting to feel like George Orwell had it right all along. I'm thinking of all of the speculative fiction I read it in high school, Brave New World, Parable of the Sower, uh, 1984, all of those things. And like I said, this is how we get Skynet. Well, what you read in high school and what I taught in high school is coming to fruition. For instance, in Russia and China, Facial recognition has increasingly become a key instrument of state control. In that film uh, that I talked about, Coded Bias, it shows a young woman in China who flashes her phone, her cell phone, with her face data points on it in order to do things like buy groceries, pay for the subway, and even open the security gate at her apartment. The phone controls her every movement, and it reports it back to the government. But get this, Courtney, it's not just in these highly controlled states that facial recognition is increasingly tracking and monitoring citizen movements. The U.S. government has also been engaged in its own research around the technology for federal law enforcement purposes, including the FBI and Immigration and Customs Enforcement. For instance, there's a new app that migrants seeking asylum are now required to use to track their request. And here's another one that should put you on edge. The IRS is pushing individuals to submit facial recognition in exchange for being able to complete a range of basic tax-related activities online. The IRS has retained a private firm called ID.me that claims to provide quote, secure identity proofing, authentication, and group affiliation verification for government and businesses across sectors. And the IRS is not the only government agency working with ID.me. The company claims to serve 27 states, multiple federal agencies, and over 500 name brand retailers. Now, in 2021, Government watchdog reports found that, quote, the use of facial recognition technology is widespread throughout the federal government, and many agencies do not even know which systems they are using. There have been congressional hearings and proposed legislation on the question since that time, but unfortunately, no concrete changes. Wow. So what can be done in Carol? I have seen ID me on the IRS website. They even have it on like said, other websites for unemployment, for stuff like that to verify you are who you are. But how far is this going to go? Because it sounds like it's getting out of control really fast. Well, it is, Courtney. And, you know, it may be the genie out of the bottle, but there are some general to specific things that can be done. First, Companies and governments using AI and facial recognition technology should be transparent about how the data are used and what they're used for. And the only way you can get that transparency is for the government to enforce some laws or write some laws that would would make uh, companies and even itself uh, be transparent about what they do with the data. Now, also, there's the question of who codes the algorithm. This is critical. 
Now, since we all carry unconscious biases, developers should take steps to ensure that the people who are involved in algorithm design, that those people accurately reflect the demographics of our current society to help address the discrimination that we're seeing in AI. Now, at the electorate level, citizens have to advocate for policy and legislative accountability through their elected officials. Now, I found, um, doing a quick little search, our government's executive branch has taken some steps to address this issue. The White House Office of Science and Technology Policy has created something called the AI Bill of Rights that gives five principles that should guide the design, use, and deployment of automated systems to protect the American public. But we can't leave it to our politicians, the White House, government, and so on, or private companies to, to work on this problem. It's going to take private citizens to take matters into their hands. You'll remember Joy Bulawamini that I talked about earlier. She's featured in that documentary, Coded Bias. Um, she has created something called the AJL, the Algorithmic Justice League, and she put this together uh, to lead a cultural movement towards equitable and accountable AI. And she, she says, we need to call on everyone to become an agent of change by running educational workshops or reporting cases of algorithmic inequality for investigation. Basically, she says, we need to take a look at this as individuals and report when we see abuses. And she's got a large network, an excellent website where you can go to the AJ, um, AJL and learn how you can get involved in uh, stemming the tide of AI. Now, internationally, the European Union, Australia, and Canada have all determined that companies like Clearview, remember that one that the police are using, um, they've decided that Clearview technology violates their privacy laws. And these company, uh, companies have gotten, uh, I'm sorry, these countries have gotten the company Clearview to agree not to sell its database to other companies under the terms of a 2022 settlement well, that's awesome. And I love the name of the Algorithmic Justice League because I am a comic book fan and the Justice League has Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman. So we can all be AI superheroes protecting ourselves and our fellow citizens from invasive AI. So we can all, we all need to be vigilant when it comes to these powerful technologies. On the one hand, technologies could potentially make decisions easier and more efficient, but when bad actors and greedy corporations or unrestrained governments use them, they actually reinforce systemic racism and bias social systems that we're fighting. So we all need to do our part. Exactly, Court. Mathematician and author Kathy O'Neill offers an important caution. She says it's a problem. If society puts faith in the idea of a fair and neutral algorithm while ignoring the intrinsically biased data we feed it, the underlying mathematical structure of the algorithm, it's not sexist or racist, but the data it's fed embed the past. And we all know that humans can be unfair, that humans can exhibit racist or sexist or ableist discriminations. 
Well, Aunt Carol, that is a great note to end on. And I have learned so much. I am over here eyeing Miss Alexa because her little blue light is circling. I got my eye on you, Alexa. But for our listeners, if you miss us in between episodes and want to know what we're doing online, you can always visit us at www.podpage.com slash why are they so angry? That brings today's episode to a close. We hope you join us next time when we continue providing the answer to the question, why are they so angry? As always, we hope you learn something so you can see it, say it, and confront it.